Welcome to this episode of Method Men. My name is Kevin Nelson and a kind of a different episode this time. I'm talking about passion. What is your passion? Does it make you want to continue to learn new, be, be on top of your game all the time? I get to have a conversation. I'm going to introduce you to Jim Ocampo, and he's going to talk about not work, but what his passion is. I hope you enjoy this episode. Jim, I am, uh, folks, I'm excited to introduce you to Mr. Jim Ocampo. Uh, Jim and I have known each other for years. Worked, he works for, with Exalta, used to be DuPont, now Exalta Coatings. Uh, I, me and my company have been a customer of, of Exalta and DuPont forever and ever and ever. And uh, Jim was in California. Uh, Jim, why don't you tell everybody what your responsibilities were and what they are now with uh, with Exalta slash DuPont? Okay. Um, yeah, so my, my role now is uh, still in a, in a strategic sales role um, where we focus on strategic accounts uh, that are comprised of uh, dealerships, MSOs, big, big box users. Um, and then we also go after other markets like um, reconditioning, auto auctions, um, CarMax type business, you know, that's, that business is continuing to grow and with everything it's going incredible, on with yeah. cars today. Um, and so, uh, so we focus in that segment as well. And uh, my role is a national role. Uh, I work with a gentleman uh, named Andy Purcell, who I report to. And we've got a team of, a, we're building out the team right now. We have currently we have, five people and we're going to build it out to about eight uh, nationally. And then, uh, so my role will be really to work with um, all the, what we call them strategic account sales specialists. And um, so my, my role will be to, to work with them and making sure that we, we deliver the right value proposition and, and we're in product positioning and, and uh, kind of a mo- mentoring, coaching, and sales role. So. so are you going after new business or are you guys responsible for, existing business and making sure that they're utilizing the value-added tools that you have? Uh, we, we're responsible for new business, oh, cool. for growing the segment. And we're referring to that as the premium segment today. And, um, and then there might be a little bit of overlap of, of uh, mainstream, but not much. But so um, we're very specific, you know, value proposition and, and, and product positioning for that segment um, that, that delivers a tremendous amount of value. Um, to to prospective customers, yeah. So it's been fun. It's a national role it keeps me busy. Uh, absolutely. Now you recently moved here to North Carolina. I did. Yeah. Tell did. tell everybody where where you were living and how long you were there. Okay. Um, so we were in um, Livermore, California. Uh, I had moved back to the Bay Area in two thousand and six. And um, I've had various roles with, with DuPont slash Exalta. Um, and so long story short, um, all but five years uh, of my, you know, my life, I've, I've lived in California. And, uh, and so a couple of different stints, Southern California, a couple of times, and then back to Northern California. And um, we, in 2020, you know, with the pandemic, um, when the pandemic hit, uh, we have five kids and five grandchildren on the East Coast. 
So it became very difficult for us to see them other than FaceTime. And, um, and so we just made the decision that um, as much as we enjoy California and our friends and uh, we wanted to be closer to the kids. And so we kind of literally put ourselves kind of in the middle. We have, we have three, three children and one grandchild up in um, the, uh, the Northeast uh, in the, uh, actually Massachusetts, Boston area. Sure. We have another uh, daughter and, and two grandsons that are in uh, Atlanta. Uh, well, they're outside of Atlanta and Canton. Mm-hmm. And then we have another daughter and two grandsons that are in Florida. And grands- my, my son-in-law or our son-in-law is in the, in the Air Force. So their plans are he'll retire in, I think, two or three years. And then their, their plans are to move back to Pennsylvania. And so we're, we're kind of right, right in the sweet spot. You know, and uh, instead of, you know, a six hour flight, you know, or either a one hour flight or or a six hour drive, you know, or in, in some cases it's 10 hour drive. But but it's uh, it's nice to be in the same time zone with, as, as they are. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And so um, and so it's come really come to fruition. We we we've seen our kids more in the six months that we've been here than in the last two and a half years. So it's, it's really worked out. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a blessing, man. That is a blessing. It truly is. Now, tell me about your wife. How long, obviously, you all have been together for a long time. Well, yes, yeah, so it's my, my second marriage. Um, we, this will be, let's see, 10 years that since we met that, uh, that, we'll be, that we've been together. And, awesome. Um, so we've got a, a blended family and the girls, um, you know, it's, it's, we're, both of us are truly blessed. Our, our kids get along really well as, as well as they absolutely adore her. And, and, and I get along great with, uh, with, with the kids, uh, on Elaine's side, but I, I treat them like they're mine. Uh, and, uh, I just, I, I just love being around them and, and, uh, you know, so how different, I don't have grandchildren yet. How different is it a grandchild to your own child? What, how do, how do you define that? How, what, what's, yeah. what's, well, you know, that it's, there's definitely a paternal extension. Um, you feel it, you, you know, the minute, the minute that they're, they're, they're born and the, the first time you ever get to hold them. And, um, so my, my, my grandchildren, um, on my, on my side are, I've got two of them. Um, one's 18 and another one will be 18 next month in March. And then we have 15 and a 14. So they're, so the, 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 the young years, they're, um, they're just a lot of fun, you know, and, you know, you're kind of like, you know, they call me Abo because, you know, instead of being called uh, grandpa, I wanted to be called Abo. So they call me Abo. So, you know, in the young years, you know, it was, we just did a lot of fun things together, you know, and, um, and as they got older, it was, it was really interesting as we got older, while we still uh, have a great relationship, their you know their their interests have really changed. They're not like into a lot of sports, and you know, it, it, so really, I, so I, what I had to do is kind of adapt to them, right? The, the things that they like to do was you know it wasn't about what I like to do. So early on, it was like I was trying to influence them on the things that I like to do: baseball, football, basketball, you know, fishing, sure. that kind of stuff, right? And and now it's like you know, it was like, okay, boys, what do you, what do you want to do this weekend? And it's like, 
uh, I'm going to go out with my friends <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm going to, you know, and I got to, I'm going to, you know, I'm a game, they, you know, they do gaming, right? It's like, yeah, I got a, a gaming thing with my friends. And, and so, uh, but, but we still have, what's nice about it is we do still find time together. And um, one of the things I do I enjoy is taking them up in the plane. And, and that's, that's kind of a fun one-on-one time when they, when I like to do that. And, but um, anyways, but it, it's, it's fun. So, and we have, we have another one, another one, little Henry, he's, he'll be four uh, Friday actually. And, um, and so, you know, he, he's just, a, he's just a barrel of energy, you know, and it is nonstop and makes it, you know, and so you got to, you know, you fast forward 18 years from when I was, you know, from the first grandchild and, and it's like, okay, wow. I don't seem to have quite as much energy. <laughs> I find myself being a little more tired at the end of the day with Henry than I did with the others, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. So you mentioned, you mentioned the plane mm-hmm. and, and Jim and I were together in a meeting a, a few weeks ago and we were, we were talking and I was talking to him about the podcast and, and he got, we got, we got to talking about what Jim loves to do is fly. Yeah. When did that, when did that passion start and tell us about that? Well, it, it's, um, well, it started when I was a kid, actually. Um, my dad was a private pilot and, um, he had, uh, uh, got his license, I think when I was about six or seven years old. And, um, and so he, he, him and his partner in an airplane bought a, um, they bought a 172 and then he, he had various planes over the year. They kind of progressed. But, um, so, you know, my dad would, you know, on Saturday mornings, he'd get me out of bed and say, you're, you're coming flying with me, you know, and I'd sit in the back of a 172 bored to tears you know, because all I wanted to do is go play baseball, basketball, or football, whatever, whatever was in season. You know, and but uh, and it wasn't every Saturday, but it was you know one one or two Saturdays a month. And then um, and then it really kind of the, the mantra became with him is like if he it, you know for vacation and and all the other kind of things that we did, um, duck hunting or fishing and um, pheasant hunting. If we couldn't fly there, we didn't go there. <laughs> it was like, and so there was a point where. Probably at around ten years old, um, I started. I started flying, and we call it the right seat. And um, and so I kind of became my dad's quasi, you know, um, uh, co-pilot. I would I would tend to the radios. I wouldn't, you know, you you can fly the plane, but I wouldn't land or take off. But um, so that that really was my influence was was my dad and. Uh, I took my first flying lesson when I was 12 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, and it was kind of off and on, uh, through my, you know, through my teens. And then when I was about 19, 20, I really started focusing on getting my license. And then, um, and then we, and then I had gotten married, had kids. And then I realized that, you know, I wasn't gonna be able to afford to fly. I wouldn't be able to afford to, to fly enough to be safe. And that's, that's real important because, you know, you can always fly one or two hours a month and think that you're safe, but you, you know, you're, you kind of, you kind of lose the mental process of, of what it takes to fly a plane. 
um, and and making sure that you're you know one familiar with the plane and you're going through all the checklists as well. Um, but um, so it took a 30 year hiatus and then um, about eight years ago I I had uh, decided that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get that license and finish it and and then uh, you know it was just kind of like. Elaine, Elaine's my wife. She'll tell you that the first time because she was, she, we went up on a whim. Really, it was kind of a whim. I just did like this, like introduction flight, and with a, an instructor in a in a Cessna 172, and um, and so I called I called the flight school and I said, Hey, is it okay if I bring, you know, you know, my friend and my lady friend? And they said, Yeah, it's no problem. So, um, so she's in the back and I, and I turned around to look at her and she said, I don't think I've ever seen you smile that, that big. (laughs) (laughs) She'll tell you that to this day. But, um, so it was kind of like, so it was an introduction flight and I knew I wanted to fly, but I just wasn't sure. So it took me about 30 days to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and the instructor that I had was perfect. I mean, he was just a, a, a wonderful young man, same age as my daughter. Um, at the time he was 31. Um, and so we became really good friends. Uh, we spent a lot of time in the plane together, getting me ready, but then we started socializing and, um, and it's really, what's really interesting that the flight instructor that my dad had, had the same similarities that, that Jonathan, my flight instructor had, um, he was uh, obviously full-time flight instructor. But also he was a um, he had a ministry as well. Mm. And, um, and and he was very, uh, very, very um, devout Christian. And um, and so we, we kind of just kind of hit it off. And um, and and to this day, we're still um, we're still good friends. And uh, they he since went to work for the FAA and. Um, and lives in Florida, but we're, we're still, we're still good, dear friends. And, and we talk regularly and, and, uh, uh, it's really amazing what, what flying has done, the people that you meet, you know, and the one thing that you'll, you've probably heard is that you get two pilots together. That's all they do is talk about flying. That's That's right. That's it. (laughs) You know, and, uh, but, but it's fortunate fortunate enough to meet, you know, to meet some other, other pilots throughout the flying club. And, and, um, one of them actually, um, became my partner in the airplane that, uh, I eventually sold to him, um, before I moved to, um, back, you know, out to uh, Wake Forest in North Carolina. And, um, I'll tell you, I've got some, I have some, I have some seller's remorse, but, uh, but anyways, but now I I have a there's a flying club that I belong to uh, out here. Uh, it's called Raleigh Flying Club. Uh, matter of fact, I just got back from flying um, today this morning. Oh, fantastic! It, yeah, it was great. The air was so clear and it was a little little bumpy at lower altitudes, but um, but it was just a crystal clear day, and uh, so we got a chance to get up there with my wife and uh, and I brought an instructor with me because I hadn't flown in sixty days. And so is that I, a re, is that a regulation? If you no, actually, actually, it's a it's a what I call a, it's what we call personal minimums. So it's like if I if I'm if I don't fly in you know for even thirty days, actually, um, and and I'm you know 
not as familiar with the aircraft as, as this particular one that I was flying today, um, then I'll take an instructor with me. And, and, uh, and it's just having a second set of eyes and a, and a, and a coach in the right seat, you know, just kind of, because believe it or not, you, you know, you, you really, really, really rely on your checklist and, um, and you, cause you can't remember everything. And, and uh, I think this is a typical checklist. You probably can't really see it. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, but it's for everybody it, out there that's listening, it's, it's uh, two sided and three, yeah. co- what, three, four columns wide. Yeah. Five columns it's, wide. It's yeah. It's about five columns, six columns wide. One side is, your, your checklist to, you know, do pre-flight, taxi, start, run up, take off, descent, pre-landing, landing, cruise, climb. Um, and then the backside is what you, you, you hope you never have to use, which is are all the emergency procedures. Mm. Yeah. And so, and that's all stuff that you're supposed to memorize, you, you know, cause you never know when, when something's going to happen, um, with an airplane, um, whether it's an engine or, you know, uh, Typically, it's engine issues. Um, very rare do you have fires, or and then if you're not if you're not careful and you're flying in the clouds and you're not paying attention, you know you can get some icing. But um, but outside of that, um, you know those are all the procedures that you're that you're, you're supposed to to remember when when you uh, have a situation in an aircraft. But that's interesting. So if anybody that's listening that's out there that has always thought, I, I just don't know. I, I think I would like to fly, but is there the Raleigh Flying Club? Is there a way to get somebody an introduction into it? Sure. Is it through the Raleigh Flying Club or do they go through a, a, a school first? Um, no, you can contact, um, you can talk, contact any uh, flying club or they call them FBOs, fixed based operators or, or a flight school. Um, there's total flight solutions, uh, tri- tri- uh, triangle North, which out, in, is, which is out in Lewisburg. Um, I fly out of there as well. Um, they got a couple planes that I enjoy flying, um, and they do introductory flights. So it might be a hundred dollars or 150 bucks for about an hour and a half. They'll do a little bit of ground school with you and uh, do some, uh, some ground school get you familiar with the airplane, you know, walk, have you walk around the plane and do a pre-flight and, and they'll, they'll put you in the right, they'll put you in the left seat and, um, and, uh, and take you up. And, uh, typically they'll have you take off, help, you know, they'll help you take off. They'll coach you how to take off. Taking off the plane is easy. It's landing. It's hard. That's always <laughs> what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, once you're straight and level, it, the plane flies itself, you trim it and the plane flies itself. And, um, and, and that's what I call the, it's kind of like, you know, when you're on a, a one or two hour leg, um, that's, I call that the, the boring part, but, but you're always, even while you're in flight, you're always checking your systems. You know, you, you want to, you, all you're scanning your, your instruments, you're, you're scanning, um, all the engine, uh, monitors and so on, um, is to make sure that everything's running properly. Um, so you never, you never can really take your eye off the dashboard or the, or the instrument panel. Yeah. You know, you can can't take your eye off the ball. Jim. Yeah. You can't take your eye off the ball. Exactly. Right. You, you hey, really- so you were, you mentioned Lewisburg and my guys, my two boys went out, I don't know when it was five, six months ago and jumped out of a plane out there. 
Oh yeah, they yeah they did the did the tandem skydiving. But while we were there, they also there was they took up they were they took off with a glider. Have you ever done that? No, I've never I've never done uh, I've never done this. Well, we refer to it as soaring. Okay. Right. And, uh, but I've never, I've never gone up in a, in a glider. Um, and, and I've never jumped out of a plane. I'll fly it, but I'm not going to jump. Out. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but I, I've had, um, I, I should try to, uh, to try, uh, soaring because it's, it's very different. You're very dependent on thermals and, um, really understanding the weather. Um, and I would imagine in the summer here, because the weather is so convective, you know, your, your, your weather is going up. You have a lot of updrafts and so on. Right. The heat from, from the, uh, from the earth's surface. Um, I would imagine that soaring out here is pretty, pretty, pretty fun. Um, and it, you can get some, get some, some nice mountain, some nice waves that will, you know, updrafts will, will take you up high enough and, but um, it, it's a different, completely, from what I understand, a completely different type of flying than than what you're what you do. Now, yeah. we, we I asked this question: you're you're flying mostly. You said 172. I'm assuming a Cessna 172 is a single engine prop plane. Yeah. yeah. It, it, are all of the planes that you fly single engine? Yeah, they're all yes, they're all all single engine. Um, some of them are um, what they refer to as complex. Um, where, um, so the, the plane that I flew yesterday was called a Cessna 172 RG. That's retractable gear. So the gears come up and there's just a little, they call it complex because you have not only have a throttle, you have a constant speed prop, and then you have your mixture and then you have your gears that you have to deal with and also cow flaps. So there's like really four, three or four more things that you deal with in a complex aircraft than you do with a standard 172 or Cherokee 180 that's just fixed pitch prop, throttle, mixture, you know, push them forward, go. Right. <laughs> the other with the others that are complex here, you're adjusting your mix. Well, you met you adjust your mixture on all, all aircraft, but but constant speed prop, you got to deal with the gears, you got to deal with um, you know, cow flaps in that particular one. Um, the one that I flew today is called a Cirrus SR20, and um, it's a it's a fixed gear, but it's um, composite, um, and it's got what they call a, a glass cockpit. Um, so all of your all your instruments are basically it's just it's like you're looking at a TV monitor with with two different types of you know, monitors with with um, with all your with all your instruments they're and they're di- everything's digital oh i got you uh, and and then you have on the other side you have what they call multifunctional display which is your engine monitors and then you can switch it over to uh, um to the moving map and you can actually see uh traffic uh in the area um as well and so so on the other planes you're not you it's it's not like you've got a radar that you're seeing what's what's in front of you what's what's the other planes that are in the air you're you're having you're doing all that by sight in this plane you were you can see what's yeah. out in front of you 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 can see um in in this particular plane it, it has what they call adsb in and out which you can see it'll bring in weather and it'll also bring in traffic 
so you can see traffic um, and um, on the monitor. They also have um, apps on, uh, on for your iPad. I use an, I use an application called Foreflight where um, you can you do all your flight planning uh, on, on, on the iPad and um, you can sync it to the ADSB system in the in the aircraft and it'll it'll display on a map on the map all the aircraft in the area. Um, they don't tell you how far away they are. They just tell you plus or minus how many feet they are above you. Um, so uh, if you see like plus five five zero, it's that's they're five or they're five hundred feet above you, um, or 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 I should say five. If it's a plus you know one two, then they're twelve hundred feet either above you or below you. Um, so a lot of technology now that they make it available in aircraft to make it much safer to fly. Um, and that's all FAA driven, um, as you know, I think it was 2020, they had, it was mandatory that all aircraft have ADSB in and out. And that's for radar purposes so that they can, so that, um, air traffic control can see you on, on radar. Um, and they can give you guidance. Like today, we, we were coming into RDU and there was, there was a helicopter out to my right, one of, is it like one or two o'clock to my right? Uh, I, I couldn't see him. And you just tell them negative contact and they, they, they would, they would vector, they vectored me. They said, okay, turn left 20 degrees so that, so that they would keep us safe. Um, Interesting. But it, it's just amazing what, what, what technology is available today. Um, you can even have, I have another apparatus, it's called a Stratus. It's literally about that big. And with a suction cup, you put it on the, on the, on the side uh, windscreen and it'll sync to my iPad and show me traffic and weather. Um, if that plane doesn't have it, because that plane that I flew yesterday, while it has a GPS system, it didn't have it didn't have the type of system that can sync to my iPad or communicate with my iPad. I got so you. I have a portable unit that will do that. So it's just it's much safer um, and also helps you navigate a lot easier. Now, well. speaking of navigation, you were telling me when we were together that in the old days when you first started flying, you would literally pull out the maps and lay out your flight plan of if you were going from the Bay area to San Diego, you were, you would have to say, here's where I'm going to stop in each, yeah. each leg of your flight, right? You would manually write that out. It, it, yeah. It, yeah. We would absolutely. It was, um, and I still do it occasionally just to make sure that I don't forget how to do it. But, um, but yeah, it, uh, it was the, you use what you call a sectional map. Um, and then you have what they call a plotter. It's, and, and and basically the plotter it looks like a ruler with a wheel and basically what you're able to do is you you're able to with that wheel it, plot your course what your 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 heading is your initial heading then you have to account for wind correction angle and and then magnetic deviation so you have to count take all that into consideration and 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 then you get to your your actual true heading or true course and, um, and you have to, you did that all manually. Wow. Yeah. And you say, and you have to call the weather service ahead of, you know, and get, and get the weather briefing or go online and get the weather briefing on what the winds aloft are at the altitude that you're flying. 
and then do the calculation. And, um, and, and, it, and, it, and initially, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty accurate. I mean, you're, you're within plus, plus or minus five, 10 minutes of arrival. That's um, incredible. Yeah. And now it's, you take the iPad and you just point, you know, you say, I want to put your finger on one airport and then you're going to go to this, this point, then you go to this point, does your course, corrects everything for wind correction, magnetic deviation, and, um, you know, tells you what your, you know, what your, whether you have a headwind or a tailwind, tells you what your, what, what time each leg is and the course for each leg. And it's, um, it kind of makes you a little bit lazy, but it does, I tell you what, it, it cuts out a lot of time, preparation time, because it used to take me, I'm going to say a good hour of preparation. I, I could plot the course the day ahead of time, but I couldn't, but I couldn't do all my wind correction angles and, 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 and actual true courses and all that kind of stuff until I got the winds aloft. And, um, anyway, so, um, yeah, it, it just makes it a lot easier. It looks more convenient. So if I'm, and this is because I'm a novice, right? I mean, I'm listening, Wind correction means you're going to go from point A to point B. It's not a straight line. Correct. Right? You've got to, you've got to, if, if the wind's coming from the east or west to east, then you're, you're going to fly into the wind and make it bring you back into where you're, where you're supposed to be. Is that correct? Yeah. It, well, it's, it's kind of like they call it a wind correction angle because the wind is pushing you, trying to push you off course. Let's say to keep it simple, I'm going to go true north. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've got and I have a, a, a wind coming from dead west. Well, it's going to try to push me off, off yeah. course. Right. And so what what the, what you do is you take the, the degrees between the wind and your course and then you adjust for the wind correction angle. And so what you're really going to start doing is going to start. You're going to kind Flying of towards the end of the wind. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, um, so that's what you have to account for, uh, you know, the wind you're at the mercy of, of mother nature. There you go. There you go. That's very interesting. So when you get on a commercial jet, you're not worried at all because the technology that's there and everything else, right. I mean, that those, the big planes are, those pilots are really, they've got all of the, the latest and greatest technology to keep everything where it's supposed to be. Yeah. They're, they're, um, and their their flight rules are, are much stricter than ours, you know, in general aviation in terms of um, minimums that they can fly to fly to, or I should say take off um, as well as, as landing. But, um, but really the, you know, these airplanes, you know, these jets, you know, they're, they're the technologies unbelievable and the instrumentation that they literally can fly these planes down to about a hundred feet before they can have to hand fly them. Hmm. Uh, you know, and, and so, um, you know, and I, I might be exaggerating, but, but that, that's how much technology there is. Um, and, and the planes are, the the maintenance records and, and that they have to, that for the upkeep of the planes and, um, for many hours that they fly and, um, you know, and how they're designed, um, they're, they're very safe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very comfortable, uh, flying, uh, in a, in a, you know, in a jet, in a, um, commercial aircraft. Um, you know, it makes you, but would make me uncomfortable. What makes me uncomfortable is when you, when you're, 
when you're in bad weather, really bad weather. And, and you know that there's thunderstorms in the area and, but you know that they're not going to fly into them. And the rule of thumb is you, you don't fly. You try to fly minimum 30 miles away from a thunderstorm because of how violent they can be. But, um, but if you have a good, a good captain and, uh, and they make the, you know, it's PIC pilot in command. They, they make all the decisions. All right. I got one more question for you, Jim. What's the, what was the most frightening flight that you were on, that you were piloting your plane? What, what, what was that one where you went, woof, oh, flat uh, on back on the ground? Yeah, that one was probably, uh, I was going, we were going to, from, we were going from Hayward, California to, to Oxnard, California. And it was about a two hour flight, you know, wheels up, wheels down. We knew there was forecasted turbulence um, from, on the lower half of the flight uh, from like Santa Barbara South. And so, you know, we flew, we got, we, the air was smooth all the way to Santa Barbara. And once we got past those mountains and into the, uh, that mountain range, I don't, I can't remember the name of it. Um, the, we, we hit what I would call moderate to severe turbulence. To me, it felt se- severe, but, um, and so it was, it, it so y- you go back to your, you go back to your training when you have that, that type of, that type of turbulence, you, 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 you slow the plane down to maneuvering speed. Um, you know, so that you can make sure that that the wings could take the load from the differential from from the difference in altitude change that you're dealing and direction wind direction and so on. Um, so you slow the plane down. That's the first thing you do. The second thing you do is you don't try to keep the plane from going up or down. You just keep the wings level. That's you know, <laughs> that's what you have to do. Keep the wings level, right? And so. Um, we have what they call an attitude indicator. And the attitude indicator tells you whether you're going up or down in terms of your pitch and whether you're going, you know, you're, you're dipping or, you know, left or right. So that's all I kept my eye. I didn't even look outside. Just kept my eye on the, on the attitude indicator and slowed the plane down, called ATC, let them know that I was experiencing um, moderate to severe turbulence. And I wasn't the only one reporting it. Um, you know, throughout the, the morning. And um, then he asked me, he said, would you like to, would you like us to vector you over the water? And I said, uh, sure. And, uh, and he says, let's see if we can find you some, some clear air, smoother air. Um, I was at about 6,500 feet and he just, um, he had vectored me out over the, over the ocean. And me, the minute I got to the shoreline, it was, it was, the air became, you know, more, it's more tolerable. It wasn't smooth. But but it was you know it was more like you know light to moderate you know turbulence, um, and then um, you know from then on it was just it was pretty smooth coming in you know, getting into Oxnard, mm. but, uh, yeah. So that was that was one that uh, I was I was glad to get on the ground and um, and you just you just have to keep your cool and just you know revert back to all the all the flight training that you went through. Um, cause a good portion of your flight training is, you know, not just learning how to fly the plane, it's knowing how to, under, how to you know, deal with those situations. You know, right? and when you get yourself to a situation like that or an emergency, you know, procedure, 
that you have to deal with. Um, and, um, but so, so far, you know, I've, I've been blessed to have some great instructors and, uh, and the one thing about flying that they told me, um, uh, this was, this came from my, not only my instructor, but the flight examiner that did my, for my pilot pilots, he goes, okay, Jim, you pass. He says, now you have a license to learn. And that's what you keep doing as a pilot. You just keep learning, whether it's weather, you know, really going for your instrument rating or your commercial rating. Um, but you're, you know, I think I, I subscribe to three different magazines that I get monthly that I read. They're all similar stories, you know, but, um, but you always learn something, you know, and, um, and so that's, I think the fun part of it is it keeps, it keeps, it, it, it keeps you in a, a in a, in the, in the mode of, of wanting to learn. Um, it can keep your mind going as you get a little bit older <laughs> as well. You know, I'll speak for myself, Kevin. Anyways, well, but, yeah. yeah, but yeah, so I, um, but, but, and then there's nothing, but, you know, it's just a sure thrill of just, you know, taking off and landing and, um, you know, just being able to, to go and, you know, uh, go fly somewhere, take an hour and fly, well, an hour flight to grab a bite to eat somewhere and come back or, you know, just bless that we were, I'm able to do that. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic, Jim. Well, listen, I, I, I again, I, I appreciate you taking time to, to share with those that will be listening your passion for, you can hear it as your wife said, I've never seen you smile that much, uh, but uh, uh, your passion for for uh, flight and, and for piloting a, a plane. And I appreciate you taking the time to share all that with us. If you'll if you'll allow me, I'm going to pray us out of here and then we'll uh, we'll let you get back to your afternoon with your wife. Oh, absolutely. Just, 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 one, just one more comment. Absolutely. Yeah. So those of you listening, if you're out there and you're thinking about flying two things, one great career. Aviation is a great career look into so is automotive it's treated me very well mm-hmm. so Kevin and I very well um, and so if you're if you're even considering aviation there's a pilot shortage there's a there's a shortage uh, in almost every aspect of aviation today and so that so the my point is is that there's a great career there and if you're even thinking about becoming a pilot do yourself a favor and go and take get take a initial introductory flight and you'll know whether you have it or not. There's because no- you just, it just, it probably just grabs a hold of you and go, I got to do this again. Yeah. It, again, it, yeah. Right. There's, there's no in between. You either have it or you don't. You, that's you know, fantastic. So, yeah. So anyways, that's fantastic. Yeah, that'd be great. If you can, I'll pray us out of here, Jimbo. All right. Good and gracious, Scott. I just thank you so much for Jim. I thank you for his passion for flight. I just pray that you will uh, continue to bless him and his family keep his grandchildren safe and and help them to understand and know and find their passion as they get older. Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for Jim. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jim, thank you so much, bud. Kevin, thank you.